Welcome to the Women's Moon Circle Podcast with your hosts, Carissa Shaw and Elisa Jordan. We are a community of empowered women setting ourselves free through storytelling, speaking our truth, and embracing our imperfections. Hey guys, welcome back to the Women's Moon Circle Podcast. I wanted to let you know that this episode we have some technology troubles. There's a quiet beeping that takes place throughout the podcast. It's not terrible and the content is still good, so I still really wanted to get it to you. But I just wanted to let you know that we're in the beginning phases of this. We're still figuring out the kinks, so be patient with us and settle in. Today we have our very special guest, Miss Tara Bukasis. <laughs> it's a hard one. Not many people get it right. I knew you'd be the expert. Yeah, so it's true. Can we say it again? Bukasis. Bukasis. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Um, so Tara, we wanted to have you on the show because you're doing a lot of really exciting things in the community of healing yoga. Uh, wellness coaching, and you've had a long journey kind of similar to the ones that we we talked about last week. Um, So yeah, why don't you do a brief check-in with us about what you're currently doing with with your business. Currently, I am about to launch um, Yoga for Healing, which is a program that I created out of my own healing journey. I was trained in Power Vinyasa with these two lovely ladies from Core Power, And I came to a point in my own health that I wasn't able to do that. And my body didn't quite work the same as it used to. So I had to um, learn all about other styles. And I realized that there's like this, there was a big gap, like, for people that, you know, need a gentler form. It's just not as prevalent in our yoga community, I found. So um, I created a series of seven yoga videos that is specifically for healing. And it's holistic in the sense of it's not just about like body movement and like oh flexibility it's a lot also about like your your mindset around the healing process um and your beliefs around it and trying to get at like what are your our blocks and our thoughts like creating a new mindset as well as uh focusing on our on our body so that is about to launch september 1st yeah, yeah. Yeah. So my, my whole summer has been dedicated to that, which means I've been spending all day in front of a computer, <laughs> which is not my cup of tea. Oh, but uh, doing editing or doing yeah, like, like building or? well marketing, but also building a website because it's a membership site. So okay. whenever you log in, you see everything, and so I had to learn how to do that, yeah. <laughs> which is not my forte. I don't know about yeah. you, ladies, but uh, that's not my thing. Yeah. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I'm up to lately, and then next. I don't know. I want to get in on all this women's circle stuff. That's my view. You have to be a witch. (laughs) Good thing. (laughs) We can start with you, Tara, and kind of describe why you've transitioned to letting go. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, where did that shift happen? Like, when you really decided, like, I can't do sculpt, which is Mm -hmm. yoga with weights and heated vinyasa, and I need to lean more towards this. Like, Mm -hmm. what, what caused that shift? Um, I, well, (laughs) um, basically I literally couldn't, like I was, I had such deep fatigue and depression. It was like, I could not physically do it anymore. And then not only was it like physically hard, but it became like a mental game. It was going to yoga was no longer like a wonderful experience because all I could do was like shame myself about like how my body wasn't working the way it used to work. And like, why can't I do these postures that I used to do? And like, um, I pretty much had no choice. It was either 
shift my perception of what yoga is and like mm. what it means to me and letting go and being okay with myself or just sort of giving up on it. Mm-hmm. And um, that obviously wasn't an option. Can you go more into your story even before? Because you got listeners. Tara used to do like bodybuilding competitions and stuff. Yeah. So let's start from the beginning okay. of your journey so that everyone yeah. has a well-rounded approach I, to you. Or yeah, two years ago, <laughs> 2013, I got like super into health and wellness. And I became certified as a nutritional therapist and also got my power vinyasa training. And in that time, I was also... Um, getting ready for a bodybuilding competition. So I got in the best shape of my entire life. And I had fun doing it, honestly. Like, it all came in a really great... I thought I was doing it healthfully. Like, I didn't follow... When you say bodybuilding, like, people think of these certain, like, crazy diets and, like, the, like, eight hours of cardio you're doing or whatever. And I was... Even when I did it, I was, like, determined not to do it that way. So I um, didn't follow any special diet, although I became really obsessed with ketogenic diets, uh, which has nothing to do with bodybuilding. It was actually, like, my nutrition side that got me into it. So I kind of... that? Can you... Yeah, ketogenic diets are um, a diet where you run off of fat, and it's really, really, really low carb. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I pretty much became carb-phobic, and, like, I, if I ate a berry or a whole sweet potato, I was like... <gasps> oh my too God. much <laughs> carbohydrates, too much sugar, so yeah. my insulin's going to go high. Exactly. So... I did that, um, and I was working out, like, a lot. Like, I mean, you know, yoga training, you're doing a lot of yoga. Plus, I was biking everywhere. Plus, I was doing all my weightlifting. So, anyway, I got really lean, um, and I had already had hormone problems. I wasn't cycling after I got off the birth control pill. And when you lose too much body fat, like, that also contributes to hormonal issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no libido, and then I got to this point where I had no energy as well. Um, you looked so good. But no, I did. I no, I'm, right? I'm kidding. Well, people kept telling me, right? (laughs) And then all of a sudden, it was seriously like a flip switched. Like, I don't know why, but within, like, three months, it was just, like, my life completely transformed. Like, not only was my energy and my mood different, my outlook on the world, but my body was different. I lost most of my strength. My figure looked in a different way. It was much softer. Um, And so it just, that was, like, I went from... Zero to a hundred, real quick, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's mm-hmm. my my really short version of the story because. And you're kind of coming out of the. Yeah, okay. I I took a year of basically, well, the first half was search, 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 and then get mad at myself for not finding the answers um, because I should know, right? Like I'm an expert. Like I should know how to help myself and cure, quote unquote, myself. Mm-hmm. Um, if you didn't reach out for. I mean, help I was at that point. Or? Getting help from, like, practitioners, but I was, like, isolating myself from people outside of, like, that. Um, So I didn't, like, my my fiancé, he was always like, you need to share the burden. He always talks about sharing the burden. And for me, I was like, no, like, everyone else has their own burden. Like, they don't need Mm -hmm. my burden. Mm -hmm. And, but he, you know, he usually ends up right. I'm going to be completely honest. (laughs) (laughs) He was was right. Like, like these kind of things, like, women's circles... Like, that's where we start to heal. So the first year, I was searching, and I was just in such a state of depression and isolation. Like, that was it. I took a break from all exercise. I had to start going to different kinds of yoga classes. I had to... And then that, like, brought up all these issues of my body. Like, I didn't know... I didn't realize until I lost the body that I had that a lot of my self-worth was wrapped up 
in my body and how people viewed me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want this, I wrote a blog about this, I haven't put it up yet, but I don't <laughs> want to sound, like, conceited or whatever, but, like, I grow up, grew up hearing, like, you're a pretty girl. Like, mm-hmm. people thought I was pretty, and, like, mm-hmm. my self-worth, I think, got really tied into what I looked like, and it wasn't until, like, that got taken away that I realized that, that was the truth. And I, mm-hmm. now that I see that in myself, I also, it's, like, crazy how rampant it is in our society, and so now in my journey, I'm just, you know, dealing with that. Like, what is my value outside of, of what I look like? Like, oh yeah, people, people can still like me if, you know, I don't look like a bikini model. <laughs> and not just that, but like your perception is warped of what, oh yeah, of what, you know, with, with body image and with going through periods like that, there tends to be a lot of dysmorphia. Oh my gosh. Of like, totally. Yeah. And dysmorphia is a very real thing of like, you think you look really good at that point. Like when I just went back to visit Finland and I was 40 pounds lighter last time I was there and all my friends were there and I'm like, they're all going to think I really yes. let myself go. Like mm-hmm. they're all going to immediately be thinking that. And they're like, oh my God, you look like a person. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, you're, you're, you have color in your cheeks and your eyes are shiny and like all these beautiful things. And so not, you know, just coming from that as far as like that people, I don't think that they hear that much. And like in our minds, they, we can oh my gosh, care they so much. It's so true. Especially, I don't know about you ladies as yoga teachers, but for yeah. me as a yoga instructor, oh, yeah. that's a big part. It's like, I always, now I'm like, oh fuck. If I have to go to class and like, what are they going to think of me? Like, oh, am I totally good enough to be a yoga instructor if I, you know, look the way I do? And I know yeah. that's not a, a so, pop, like coming back thought. to teaching or coming back to take like from the same studio where you were at before. Well, when you're, well both yeah. because teaching, but also if you take sometimes, I'm like, do I tell them I'm a yoga instructor? Mm-hmm. Like, if it's like a new yoga mm-hmm. studio, because it's like, well, they, I do have that running fear of, are they going to be like, oh, well, she doesn't look like a yoga instructor. Maybe she fell off the wagon or something. Wow. And these are, I know these Who are. Who hasn't? Have you, have you <laughs> had that fear? Oh, my word. Uh, I've also had it, especially when I was beginning my teacher training process, of not being able to do most of the poses of mm. power yoga. Yeah. I still can't get my crow nailed. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. How, yeah. Like, some days it's like people are just flying into these things. So yeah. I had a wall really early in my practice, and I came from Southern California, where your image as a yoga instructor is really... Um, how should I put it? Um, it it felt very limiting to me as yeah. a woman who is curvier, yeah. who has a double digit mm. in mm. her clothing size usually, yeah. and uh, you're also very tall. I am five eight ish, so there you go. Uh, like, a, like an Amazonian goddess. Oh, no. she is. She is. I know. I know. Well, thanks, but. Uh, so when I was there, it's like what you see, especially in SoCal is very lean. It's this stereotypical thing, mm-hmm. what you see marketed to in yoga. And I would love to come back to this topic, by the way, yeah. but what we see is what is yoga. It's the very lean, tall, slender white woman yeah. who can do every freaking bendy thing, majig mm-hmm. and handstanding majig. And I can't do that. I'm more built. I'm very strongly built. I got a boudet and mm-hmm. it's honestly was harder to like figure these things out. Shavasana hurts because my butt's in the way. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do Shavasana. And um, so for me coming to walls with 
like so that, those are my self-limiting factors still are like my butt's too big or like I can't do it I'm too heavy to do mm-hmm. an arm balance inversion and I'm mm-hmm. starting to confront those more and more that I can yeah. do it because moving up to Seattle what I love about this area is there's a lot more body diversity as mm-hmm. teachers and in, mm-hmm. and students yeah. to work with and they're all just really inflamed to like come and try things out for their body yeah and that makes me feel more comfortable but um, in my story, like this past year, I lost 30 pounds and now I've gained some of it. Back. I don't know how much back because I'm just not going to look at that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just not going to look. But uh, I was, I kept looking at myself in the mirror when I was teaching because I wanted to make – a part of it was an ego thing. Mm-hmm. Of, oh, I need to look. I'm, oh, I look good. I got some abs. I can see some abs this morning. And um, mm-hmm. wanting to look, feel strong for my students but then I wouldn't get distracted from actually like, doing what I'm supposed to do, teach. Because I'd be yeah. like, oh my gosh, I'm bloated. I'm like, poke my belly or like, things like that. Yeah. And just look at myself in the mirror and like, this is getting messed up. So even if when I did lose 30 pounds and I thought I was, my, and I got to my latest point ever in my life, I still wasn't satisfied. And yeah. so it's like, <laughs> we never are. We never are. Whether mm-hmm. you're where you're normally were at or over where you think you mm-hmm. should be or at your leanest point, you know, it's the attachment to that as our identity becomes and worth and or that's becomes our worth and when we become attached to that shell it's like we want to take care of this this house our vessel Mm -hmm. you know but wherever it's at today whether it feels sick or feels happy and powerful you know just owning what is the truth of your who you are today internally externally and um being able to share that wherever you are whether you're in an office or whether you're teaching yoga, or you're walking your dog, or whatever, just taking ownership of that, and we don't want to confront that. We don't talk mm-hmm. about these kind of things normally. I don't, I don't think from day to day. But maybe we do more because well, we're in like more yoga sphere. But yeah, yeah. I love these conversations, but I feel like a lot of people, yeah, they don't want to have them. It's easier, but just it's to hard because, but we can't, we can't be hiding these deeper seated feelings mm-hmm. because if we're like, right now, like, yoga has, especially in Seattle, it's grown into this giant industry, and everyone's doing yoga, and everyone's flocking to it. Um, and so my concern is that when we're using it as another space to punish ourselves yeah. and yeah, judge yeah. ourselves, that oh we're not going to get the benefit of, yeah. like, let's talk about, like, what do you guys think yoga is supposed to be? Like, what, if, if body image wasn't, wasn't an issue? Well, I mean, ultimately, it was supposed to be a philosophy, but um, in terms of how I confront that in my, from my awareness, in mm-hmm. because it is something that can trigger, especially those who are perfectionists, who, mm-hmm. um, because I'm in the power of vinyasa industry, mm-hmm. those who want to plow through life, I try, that's why I teach vinyasa, mm-hmm. putting in the restorative so that they have the permission to physically start to let go and see if that saturates to an internal level and mm-hmm. speak to that, but also being careful of your language. Um, whether you're a teacher or even a student, um, because a lot of teachers will ask you to push forward, go to the edge, find your edge, you can do it, lean in more, go to the, you know, and instead of giving people permission to do less mm-hmm. or be where you're at, don't go any further, just yeah. hold right there and sit with whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. Just being careful of your, your language. And we're not super aware of that even. So that could become a parallel of how you even describe yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, without any mindfulness of, oh my gosh, I'm so fat today, or like, I feel so stupid. Saying these little things really do color your 
framework of how you view yourself and how you're viewing others and other view, viewing other people's bodies and yeah. other just perceptions are get really skewed. So that's how I'm trying to shift into that that issue where it does become an outlet of triggers. Um, just doing where I can, where I am right here, right now, in my in my platform, um, mm. and trying to let people know it's okay to do. You, you don't have to do yoga every day. You can do <laughs> yeah. other things like after class. I like you. They're like, oh my gosh, I haven't been to yoga for so long. Like that's okay. You're living life. Yeah. You're outside in Seattle yeah. in the summertime. That's yeah. okay. It's wonderful. Yeah. You're supposed yeah. to do these things that you love yeah. to do. Don't feel like you have to be here or do this yeah. style. Like find the thing that works best for you. And know that there are other outlets and other mm-hmm. variations to make it work for your body and not to be afraid to come and try something that's joyful for your body. And yeah. that it's okay to come away from it for a while. And yeah, you guys not supposed to have guilt, right? Like, that seems weird to have, like, be guilty <laughs> for, well, I didn't go to yoga. Like, you're going to church or something. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but as, as all three of us are sitting here, we are still really drawn to yoga. It's because I think that, in my opinion, yoga is, but is meant to connect us with the deeper part of ourselves that's always there and that's regardless of the changing of our bodies and the changing of the shapes and it's like mm-hmm. having that mat to come back to and to look inward it allows you to find that place of yourself that's always there talk about like like the way that yoga is portrayed and about body image like when it comes to what yogis look like mm. in terms of media like mm. you just see you do see a very narrow view of what yoga looks like in western world and it's not true and there is a great side to social media where you are seeing more and more like big curvy women doing these handstands Uh you're like anyone can do it you know it doesn't have to be so marginalized Mm -hmm. but there is also a dark side to social media where we only see the fitspiration especially if that's what you tend to use as your feed um, it looks like if you're just feeding that into your own brain and that's all you're seeing, they are going to just skew your perception of everything as yeah. to only being, I have to be a yogi. I have to be able to do handstand. I have to have 15% body fat and I have to have Lululemon pants that fit me to a T and perky breasts. Like, like that's what is seen or like, yeah. and, and, and yeah. vegan or something like that. And green juice. Green yeah. juice cleansing. And yeah. it's like, it's such a narrow view. Why not show everybody? Men, old, young, gay, trans, mm-hmm. like, curvy, dark, whatever. You're like, let's just see a rainbow of people versus um, just one color. Mm-hmm. For say. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Carissa? For me, it's been um, a lot of the social media, definitely, because as a yoga teacher, you want to promote yourself and you want to put pictures out there and so my body has changed a lot over the last two years and when I look back at like pictures online that I still have up of like where I was at then like the feedback I got was all so positive Mm -hmm. and like talk about you know not cycling my hair was falling out um I couldn't think like I was really really sick for a long time and I still got so much positive feedback the reason I love having these circles and having us to be able to talk about this is because we all see like where we want to be, but I don't think, like, I don't think I'm there yet. Like, I don't think I've totally lost, um, you know, the competition of like going back. And that's why the yoga studio can be a really challenging place because it brings up a lot of this body stuff again. And it's like, but I also know that I can't just hide from the world Mm -hmm. and not do the things I love. Um, 
all three of us have had to go through a phase of pulling away, um, finding out what really does matter to us, and then going back into the yoga community to bring that, and then just really working hard to like stay connected to that, and to when you notice yourself going to a class and checking your body, not feeling guilt and shame of like, oh, I'm doing it again, <laughs> because then you're adding <laughs> guilt and shame on top of guilt and shame, and yeah. uh, that doesn't work, but really practicing and it being a learning process and like being a growth and like knowing the direction that you want to go but not expecting it to be fixed like I went through a long time where I didn't have a mirror and mm -hmm. it was really helpful it was so nice. nice it was so nice and it was like but then you know I'd walk by a mirror somewhere else and be like oh shit yeah <laughs> and so you can't like I couldn't live my life like that either like hiding from mirrors <laughs> So, but it is freeing, like, it in is some freeing. way. It is I did freeing. it by accident. Like, yeah. in travel, like, you don't have mirrors. Yeah. But to just not have to get up and, like, check yourself out all the time is, yeah. like, oh, yeah, I could just, like, exist. I don't yeah. Yeah. look at yeah. every detail of how I look yeah. all the time. Yeah. It's interesting. Inspiration, I know people love it, but honestly, it really upsets. Like, it pisses me off. Just because, to me, maybe it works for some people. But from where I come from, it mostly just brings up feelings of, like, guilt and inadequacy. Can like, you explain a little bit what it is for the listeners that don't know what Fitspiration is? Fitspiration is, well, a hashtag. I think it's how it started. But it's just, oh. I'm guessing. But it's, it's supposed to be things or, like, images or articles or quotes or whatever that inspire you to get fit. Or to, mm -hmm. I guess, if you want to say it in a nice way, it's, like, move towards your health goals. But usually it's, like doing it in such a way that, for me, it brings up thoughts of, like, well, why can't I get there, I'm not good enough, or what am I doing wrong, or, and it's, it is a really, usually the Fitzpiration is, like, a really narrow, uh, what is, what uh, it's a very narrow view of, particularly for women, yeah. it's, mm -hmm. like, it's, it, it demonstrates, like, this uber fit, like, ripped, powerlifting woman, usually, Which, who's nothing... over, over-sexualized as well, though, like, that's usually what you see, and yeah. it's, like, the dre the drenched sweat off her abs, like, and but then what does it say over wrong. it, it like, there's push nothing, yourself to yeah. the edge. There's nothing wrong with those things, I feel like. If you're doing it, and with if you have, like, a clear, I don't know, it's, like, I don't want to, I don't want to also be singling out, yeah. like, the women who do love lifting and who have abs or something, right. like, there's nothing wrong with that. But usually if we get at the bottom of, like, why are you doing it? Mm. Why does it make you feel good? Usually it is because, like, our bodies are a really huge part of how we value. Yeah. Like, we see ourselves yeah. as valuable or, like, how we think people perceive us. So, I don't know. I just, I recently read an article and posted it. And, yeah, I just, like, put a quote or an idea out there that if, if you ever encounter Fitspiration that, like, brings up any form of guilt, it's probably not Fitspiration. Because something that inspires you makes you feel excited and big and, like, mm. like, un like limitless possibilities. Like, when I feel inspired, it's like, okay, like, I'm ready, let's do this. Like, I'm so excited. And oftentimes, Fitspiration, at least for me, like, ends up being like, oh, fuck. Like, what is wrong with me? Like, why not? Or how come I can't do this? It's just all these negative things. And, and I... I don't know, it just singles people out to me. But mm -hmm. in the yoga community, like, I agree with, I mean, obviously, I agree with a lot of things you guys are all saying. It's like, <laughs> I can't even remember what you guys all said, and I don't want to, like, repeat things, but um, I think I do, I'm, as much as this last couple of years have been, like, sort of hellish, and I wouldn't, 
I know everyone says this, but of course, like, I don't take it back because I do have a, a broader view about yoga and about women and health and vitality and what it means to actually be healthy. And I just, I don't know, I, I hope to bring, we can all bring that broader view to the yoga community because it is so important and um, it's, it's sad that yoga has become entangled with our culture's, like, views on health and beauty mm-hmm. like it's really entangled mm-hmm. to like our you know hollywood type yeah. views or like our the way we market things and yoga is so not about that you know like at its core mm. i think i talked about i always talk about joseph campbell he is my idol um he <laughs> talks about uh, there's three different ways to like bring back your gem to the world because it's like mm-hmm. he he's, talks about the hero's journey do you guys know about the hero's journey Okay, so the hero's journey is this circle where, you know, you leave the community, and then you have a challenge, Mm -hmm. and then you have to overcome it, and then you bring what you found or learned back to the community. It's like, and every, like, you know, The Hobbit, Harry Potter, (laughs) they're all based on the hero's Mm -hmm. journey, but we all have one, and he talks about the return, and how there's three different ways for the return to go, and one is for you to return, and then no one can hear it, like, not Mm -hmm. people, people aren't ready, and so you go and hide, which is Mm -hmm. what I kind of always want to do is like you know go into live in the forest away from everyone and just do (laughs) what I want to do and not worry the second way is to like pretty it up like it's the seldom what they want give them what they need model where that can work but it's Mm. sort of not a cop out but it's you know a little bit easier Mm. but you're not truly giving the gift and the third way is to just say what you honestly found and learned and need and know that not everyone will be willing to hear it, but you'll get through to those few who can. And that, like, he suggests a lot of people end up becoming teachers because then you have that really selected audience that's, like, wanting wants your information. Mm-hmm. But that's, like, the hardest and most pure way to sort of return with your gift. I'm reading Stephen Cope's book. He's amazing uh, author. Quest... For the I love self. that one. That's my favorite. Amazing. But <laughs> that was a good one. It's amazing. <laughs> but right now I'm reading The Great Work of Your Life, um, okay. and it goes over all of these people that were basically living in their dharma and their purpose. Mm-hmm. And so the book starts about you know Thoreau and about Susan B. Anthony, uh-huh. and it goes through all these really powerful people and explains how they came into their work. And, yeah. And he goes through the... <laughs> and he he uses that as a story of like how that comes to be and so I'm in the last chapter and it's about Gandhi and I was sitting by the lake the other day reading and like I had to just stop because it like hit me somewhere like so powerful but they're saying that like each of us comes into this world with this need to do work mm-hmm. and to do our work on this really big scale um but the self gets in the way, the little self. Mm -hmm. And so we end up turning ourselves into that work. And what happens is that that ends up leading to self-destruction because it's just not big enough. Like we don't have enough to do on ourselves to make the perfect home, make the perfect body, make the perfect job, make the perfect life. And it collapses in on itself. And when we can figure out how to take our gifts, like you're saying, and, and give it to the world and put, make ourselves, you know, come to zero in a way of really taking ourselves out of the picture and just mm-hmm. only focusing on the gift that we want to give like that's when 
when things really start to shift and that's when the universe is like, all right, they're doing it. And like, we'll send you all this, you know, help and community mm -hmm. around you because you really start realizing that, you know, your work is not yourself, that we don't need to just fix our body and then we're going to be a good impact on society. It's like, first we need to focus on giving our gifts to society and like taking ourselves out of the picture. And I think at that point, that's when peace with your body comes in that's when community comes in that's when all of these tools that we need for healing it's like when we really let go of changing ourselves and making ourselves into this, this work. yeah it's true even just like getting outside of yourself mm -hmm. you know you you come to these conclusions within yourself of like okay wait a minute maybe body isn't so important maybe there's yoga for healing that's a little bit different than the way that we're doing things right now and then having that gift to give and then because you're the spokesperson for that allowing that gift just to come through you rather than to be part of you, mm -hmm. you know, rather than selling yourself, you're, you have a gift to give mm -hmm. and taking yourself out of the picture. Like, and it sounded like we were going to touch on that too, about Tara's experience with filming the yoga for healing and, and how body image stuff came up for you. Oh yeah. If you haven't ever watched yourself on video camera, I suggest you do it. <laughs> because thought finder. <laughs> thought finder for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, we just, we talked about all the different body image issues that come up as a yogi or yoga instructor. And then, like, putting myself in the place of a quote-unquote expert and watching myself on film was, I mean, one of the, it's harder than looking in the mirror. Because... You know, you get to pick yourself apart. Like, every little thing, like, oh, that that shirt looks too tight, and I got that belly roll. Or, like, mm -hmm. I noticed my eyebrows are wild. Like, they just, <laughs> like, I have a very active face when I talk, and I was like, oh, my God. And, like, all I could think about is, like, are people going to be so annoyed with me? Or, like, again, like, the thoughts come up, like, are they going to think, who is she to be a yoga instructor? You know? I like, eyebrows. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, it's just like... I know it's about my instructors. <laughs> well, when you're on video, though, it's not like... Okay, when you teach a yoga class, you go in and you go out and then there's no history of it. Like, I mean, there's no, like... <laughs> record. Record of it being taken down. This is, like, going to be alive for as long as whatever the internet is yeah. alive and well. Um... And so knowing that, like, yeah, I'm going to be in people's lives and homes over and over and they have to look at me and I make judgments about myself and, of course, I think, like, someone else is going to make those same judgments about me and, yeah, it's just, and then coming from a background of power vinyasa, it's been hard to come, like, come to terms with even doing this gentler style and putting it out there. Like, I'm going to be honest, it's a little... I've had a little bit of fear around talking to other yoga instructors about it, especially ones that teach power mm -hmm. vinyasa, because it feels like, I mean, this is maybe, this is like probably a reflection of my own judgment on myself, but like, oh, well, that's not real yoga, or oh, that's what you're teaching now, or something. Like, I have all these, like, judgments in my head, and mm -hmm. so, yeah, I mean, just putting anything on video is, is really tough. You really have to face all of your ish what, what Which was I, your your way to push through that like what was your well I had a time limit so I didn't have many other options right like the first the first time we recorded I watched the first video and I was like we have to redo this we're doing like this is terrible and so we did and then I after the third day I hit a wall and I just was like I don't know if I can do it anymore like I was like crying like I couldn't get in the zone I was like a big mess and thankfully my videographer was my fiance and he's like 
the best support system. And so he was like, all right, we're taking the first half of the day off. And I talked to my business coach and I like got my head on straight. And I was like, again, it was remind like taking yourself out of the equation, right? I was like, why am I doing this? Like, who is this for? Who am I trying to serve? What am I trying to bring? And when I did take myself out of it, it's like, okay, like that makes sense now. Like, mm-hmm. this isn't about me like, mm-hmm. right. at all. And right. that is what I love about teaching. And it's easier for me to realize it's not about me when I have a class full of students. Mm-hmm. But doing it in front of only a camera really is like a totally different mindset. Yeah. Um, and so, being an entrepreneur, it feels like. Yeah. Even that, it feels like it's all about you, but it's really. In some ways, because like you yeah. are your marketing, you are the mm-hmm. face of your company, mm-hmm. business, whatever mm-hmm. it is. But yeah, like your message isn't about you. So that, I mean, it's a nice way to think about it. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but that was yeah. what really made things easier. And then, and then I did a heart opening uh, practice, so it, was, it all worked out really well. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, that was really tough. And so you know, when you see them, because you're gonna see them, I hope. Uh, <laughs> just be be kind. <laughs> I'm silly and I am not serious. So I love it. Yeah, it's like a I'm I make mistakes and yeah, it's not yeah. perfect. That was yeah. one of the biggest things too, recovering perfectionist. Yeah. Is I wanted to keep doing it. Like I wanted yeah. to like reshoot, reshoot, reshoot. Yeah. I was like, this needs to be fixed. I don't like how I spoke. I want to say that. Yeah. And Spencer, the ultimate non-perfectionist, was like, no, like you have to say it's okay. Like we only have a certain amount of time. Like you'll do this yeah. forever. Like yeah. you've learned what you need to do better next time and you will. But for now, this is it. This is who you are. This is what you had. And like, that's okay. That was, yeah, recovering for pre- perfectionism is real <laughs> tough. But are you recovering? Are you, oh, recovering. Yeah. Not recovered. What <laughs> are your, um, yeah. your coping mechanisms that you've put into place and stuff using restriction and control of exercise or eating or focusing on those sort of things as your perhaps coping mechanism from being imperfect? <laughs> um, have you found other tools that help in your recovery process? I would say, hmm, I never, I haven't actually thought about this, so this is kind of hard. Um, On thing, the spot. <laughs> I know. The thing that has helped me most, honestly, is is sharing. Is like being open about my fear around imperfection and about my imperfections, about my, what goes on in my head. Like, being able to talk about it makes it not as big, for one, and also realizing, like, there's other people in the world who struggle with this, and, like, I'm not a crazy person, and, like, we can, we got this. Like, I don't know. Like, just yeah. having that. The transparency. The transparency is, like, the Yes, mm-hmm. all of that. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Brene Brown is amazing. And <laughs> I read her book a while ago, but it's, you know, really, try, like, starting to come to life in my own life, I guess. It's been so, so, so good to have you. It's been fun. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find Yoga for Healing and... And everything Tara. And everything, everything Tara. Tara. Well, everything Tara. Okay. There's so <laughs> many links. It's hard. All right, so my blog is realfityoga.com, and on the blog, on, like, the sidebar, there's a Yoga for Healing link you will see, and that'll take you um, to Yoga for Healing. It's an In order to get that web address, I had to do it in a weird way. So the web address is yoga-for-healing.com, which is annoying. So it's better just to find the link. So head over to the blog. because I don't think it's annoying. Oh, it's frustrating to me. I just want it to be all one, one thing. Anyway. But heading over to the blog is the best way to do it anyway because there you can, you know, get in on the stories and join the community. Yeah. And then um, I have a Instagram, which is just Tara Bucasis. Not the best thing for spelling. It's T-E-R-A-B-U-C 
A-S-A-S. And there you'll find a lot of travel photos um, because I like to travel a lot. And She's a gypsy. I'm a gypsy. <laughs> and um, then I also have a Facebook page, which is Real Fit Yoga. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I made the name in my fitness my fitness days. <laughs> but now it's changed for, for the realness, you know? Yeah. Like, what does real fitness look like? It's so true. So it's shifted. It's more we'll fun. put uh, links to that in the show notes as well. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes, and connect with us at womensmooncircle.com.